welcome to Hour 2 of Sports Saturday on KLBJ with hosts Ed and Ben Clements. They're taking calls at 512-836-0590 or toll-free at 877-590-KLBJ. Welcome back to Sports Saturday here on News Radio KLBJ. This is the End Zone Club, live from Dirty Martin's Place. Thank you to our great friends over at uh, Howard Breen Herman, Plains Capital Bank. Uh, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, Cover and Bastrop, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, SMB Amusements, Delaware Subs, where tomorrow they're doing their two for one chicken and Philly cheesesteaks, and Dirty Martin's Place. Uh, Dad is with us. He's on special assignment in Brownwood, so he'll be with us on this first segment. I'm here also with, with Ben Klatt, a, uh, a frequent guest host for us here on the End Zone Club. A lot of football to get into today, a lot of crazy games. Horns are off this week after the loss to Oklahoma. They face Houston next week in Houston. Houston coming off of a huge win against West Virginia. Uh, but we have a lot to get into. We also have a little bit of playoff baseball. There's a huge matchup going on uh, starting Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. First of all, though, Ben, how are you? Thanks for joining us again at the great Dirty Martins place. Well, Ben, thank you. Uh Ben and Ed, thank you for having me on and uh, just honored to be on. Uh, the The college football landscape this week is crazy. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're watching uh, games live a, as we uh, air. So Tennessee and Washington yeah. are, are going on, and yeah. we've got some crazy games down, down the stretch for us. Yeah, real quick, let's get a scoreboard update, get you uh, up to date on what's happened today. Georgia, number one, defeated Vanderbilt 37-20. Michigan throttled Indiana 52-7. Ohio State took care of business against Purdue, 51-7. Florida State over Syracuse, 41-3. Alabama squeezed by Arkansas at Alabama, 24-21. Utah over California, 34-14. Penn State put a thrashing on Massachusetts, 63-0. And we just witnessed Tennessee take down A&M in Tennessee at Knoxville, 20-13. Tennessee... They had a little business to take care of at the end of the game, but they got it done against the Aggies. The Aggies now, uh, they four and three on the year. Jimbo, he's going to have to hump it the rest of the season to keep his faithful and college station happy. And then also Kansas, the Jayhawks, they fall to Oklahoma State in Stillwater, 39-2. Right now we're watching Washington and Oregon face off at Washington. It was the premier game of the day, uh, college game day. Right now, Oregon is leading 33-29 to with two minutes left in the ball game. This has been an interesting game. We've seen a lot of Michael Penix. He has two touchdowns and interception on the day. Uh, Bo Nix has looked, he's looked pretty nice today, uh, but Oregon right now, they're, they're climbing their way back into this game. A I don't want to say they're choking this away, but they pulled the Texas Longhorns of last week. They had the ball on the one-yard line trying to punch it in, and Oregon stuffs them and gets the ball back. Now Oregon does have the ball. Michael Penix Jr. is on the sideline looking quite disheveled with uh, Washington trying to climb their way back in this ballgame. Ben, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? Like, I, I think that the field goal is the move yeah, and a lot of coaches uh, there were six minutes six minutes in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. when they got stuffed yeah. on their own goal line and i think washington should have taken the points you know made it a one-point game and maybe a field goal to win it yeah well, you know ben it's interesting. Clatt's I, exactly right ben clatt is exactly right 
Oh, but by the way, that's the voice of Ed, my co-host. Pop, thank you for finally chiming in. I was wondering if you were going to speak up. What, do you, what have Let you thought you. about today's day, today's games? Let me tell you, it's been a great day. Alabama survived a scare against the Arkansas Razorbacks. I listened to that on the way to Brownwood. And Ben Klatt's exactly right. I believe Washington should have taken the points. Now they're in dire trouble, and they are on the midst of losing their first game of the year. So, hell of a game today. And let me tell you what, that uh, Tennessee A&M game was a great game, too. And, Ben, you talked about this. I believe the Jimbo Fisher watch is underway yeah. because Jimbo has three losses. Uh, what is the magic number for the Aggies to say, we want to get rid of him? Is it four? Is it five? Uh, the Aggies still have to play South Carolina. They still have to play LSU. Yeah. Uh, they still have to play Mississippi State. So the Aggies have turned the loss last week to Alabama into two losses, and that's boating terribly for Jimbo Fisher. But this sort of well, classic game, I think it's a classic game. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's interesting because, like you said, what's the magic number? His buyout, everybody that follows college football, especially in the state of Texas, knows that Jimbo Fisher was signed to an outrageous contract, one that will baffle some, a coach from the 1960s. And I don't know what it's going to take. See, I don't. That, I don't think four. I don't think four losses is going to be enough for AM to swallow their pride and give him that buyout. It, it's too much money. I think he would need to lose six games for them to pull the trigger and start that coaching search. Ed, Ed, Ed I agree with yeah. Ben here. Yeah. I just think, given that South Carolina, Ole Miss, and uh, LSU to end the season, sure they. they they probably have a couple wins in there, but they're going to drop a game or two. Yeah, and uh, they're 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 a good team, but I don't I I don't know what that means for Jimbo and their fan base. Let me just say this, Ben Clatt and Ben Clements: the Aggies have spent as much money as the Texas Longhorns have to buy players, to influence players, and they're not getting the bang for their buck. I was told by an Aggie this week they're so frustrated if he continues to leave, lose. And Ben, you mentioned. I don't think you beat LSU. That losses. I think you call 70 millionaire Aggies and say, "Donate yeah. a million dollars and let's find somebody else." Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I think most. I think most Aggie fans right now would tell you they're like Longhorn fans. They, they're not patient when it comes to coaches. Most Aggies would tell you right now that Jimbo will not be a winning coach. Jimbo will not get them to the pinnacle of the SEC. He's not going to take them to a playoff. So eventually, they're going to have to start that coaching search. Eventually, he's going to have to get fired. But when is the right time? How much are they willing to spend to get rid of the guy? Because they've been in these tight games. Last week, they had a chance to beat Alabama. Today, they had a chance to beat Tennessee, and they can't get over that hump. And that is when a solid winning coach that's when he comes into play. I think a good coach can get you over that hump. But we've seen from A&M that Jimbo is not that guy. When do, when do you call Boulder, Colorado? When do you call Fort Worth, Texas? Yeah. You get Sonny Dykes or Deion Sanders. I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't like to see coaches lose their jobs, but I know the frustration level of Aggies is high, and it's going to get even higher now with this situation because, as I said, they spent a lot of money on Jimbo. They've got fantastic facilities. They have a tremendous loyal fan base. But the only thing that's missing, fellas, 
they're not winning, they're not competing for championships, and that's yeah. got to stick in the craw of Aggies everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Um, Ed and Ben, I'm going to have to bring up a painful memory from last week, but uh, Washington just drove the field very late in the game yeah. in the fourth quarter uh, and scored a touchdown to go ahead of Oregon. And Oh, current- my! They did. Yeah, they just scored a touchdown with a minute and 38 seconds left. 35-33 is the score. And it, it just reminds me of the Texas OU game. They're about to kick their extra point. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm just – I watch games and I see defenses across the NFL, across college football, playing uh, soft and, and scoring mm-hmm. points. And wh- I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts well, on that. Well, let me interrupt you. That was two plays, guys. If you noticed, they're also – uh, Washington did just take the lead, 36-33, with a minute and a half left. So Oregon, they will have a late, late desperation call to win this game. But that Michael Penix just made that look easy. That could have been another push for the Heisman. We don't know. Uh, we got to take a break, though, Pop. Get back to your special assignment in Brownwood. Have a good time okay, tonight. Thank back. Okay, I, let me just say this. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. Washington, if Washington wins and they looks like they're going to win, watch out. Yeah. Because. The thing that the Longhorns fans do not want, they don't want Washington win out. Yeah. I think Notre Dame beats USC tonight. You want the Pac-12 to beat each other up. Yeah. Watch out for Washington. Okay, i got to go. Boys, All right, Pop. Night. Thanks for being with us, Ben Clatt. Have a great time at Dirty Martin's. Eat burgers, drink cold beer. Have a big time at Dirty Martin's place. All right, that was Ed Clements, co-host of the End Zone Club. we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we got to get into this Washington game. We'll keep you up to date on that and everything else going on around college football. This is the End Zone Club on News Radio KLBJ Live from Dirty Martin's Place. Be right back. Back on the End Zone Club on News Radio KLBJ Live from Dirty Martin's Place on Guadalupe Street, the historic Dirty Martin's. Thanks to our great friends over at Plains Capital Bank, Harry Breen Herman, Covert and Bastrop, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, SMB Amusements, Delaware Subs, where tomorrow they're doing their two-for-one Philly and chicken cheesesteak. Go over there and give them a Fly Eagles Fly Fresh Tom that Ben and Ed sent you. And Dirty Martin's Place. Um, okay, so update here. Washington, Oregon. Washington has taken the lead 36-33. to 29 seconds left in the game. Bo Nix and Oregon are trying to mount a drive here to get into field goal range and send this puppy into overtime. And what we've seen this week, everybody, it can happen. We saw with Houston that they pulled off the incredible and had the last second Hail Mary to go over West Virginia and get the victory and snub an undefeated West Virginia team. So it is possible Bo Nix makes the throw here uh, to his wideout and they get the ball to the 40-yard line. They need 10 yards to go to get into field goal range, so we'll keep you up to date on this. A crazy ball game, but that has been the story of the day. There have been some crazy games. Um, I, I, I think that when you get to this part of the season, you know, it, teams feel a little desperate to win, and it's getting to that time where, you know, the old saying is, it's all about when you lose and when you win, and right now it's getting to that point where it's getting too late to lose these games, and what we've seen from the Pac-12 all year long is it is maybe the best football conference in college football right now. Um, so Washington, you know, you can afford a loss in, the, in this conference, but if you're Washington at home, you need this victory, especially if you want to get to the playoffs. Ben? Benny uh, C., I, I agree with you. And, uh, yeah, I just think that a home loss is, is going to be really tough for any Pac-12 team. Yeah. They have the, the 
arguably the best conference in football right now, well, which that, is um, well. Let's look at it like so. The rest of the year for them, they're tra- They get they have Arizona State at home. Then they travel to Stanford, who, by the way, Stanford last night pulled off an incredible 29-point upset, 29-point comeback over Colorado and Deion Sanders in Colorado. So they're they're running high right now. Then they go to USC. Then they host Utah, then Oregon State, and Washington State. And for all of you counting at home, they end the season with four ranked games. And that is the Washington Huskies' path. So they cannot afford to lose these games. By the way, Oregon has just gotten into field goal range. So we'll keep you updated on that. Um, Again, though, let's get back to uh, uh, the Longhorns. They are off this week. Um, And our argument uh, that Dad and I had last week was... When do you consider an off week a good thing, and when do you consider it a bad thing? In my opinion, Ben Klatt, was this is a horrible time for the Longhorns to have an off week. Coming off of that emotional loss against your arch rival where you had the game won and you let up in the last minute of the game. Longhorns have a lot of, of T's to cross and I's to dot during this off week uh, ahead of Houston who, you know, it should be a victory. I, I haven't looked at the... Um, of the spread yet, but it should be a victory. But for the Longhorns, and you had a lot to deal with this week, you know, between emotions and, and and mental health because that is a game that you don't forget about quickly. Ben, I I, I would agree with you, and I think that <laughs> um, the Horns have a tough week, uh, a tough bye week coming up, and they have to focus. They have to realize everything that that's happened and, and fix their mistakes, uh-huh. but. The re- reality is, is Houston just came off a big yeah. home win, yeah. and so they have some momentum coming into this game. Yeah, and I, do. I don't think we can sleep on a Houston team, even as bad as uh, they they might not be having the season that they want. Mm-hmm. But we 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 have to show up, and I want the Horns to. Uh, I think the Horns should blow them out. Yeah, I, they, I do. Yeah, you know, on paper they should. Um, this is going to be a big. You know where do you stand moment for the horns because they are they they're still in the hunt. Uh, the West Virginia loss could not have been bigger for the Longhorns. You know that the powers that be at Texas saw that and said, okay, you know it's back in our power. You control your own destiny. You hear that word a lot in sports. Control your own destiny. And um, and by the way, Oregon right now is uh, lining up for a, a field goal to send this puppy in overtime. Four seconds left. It is a 43-yard attempt for the Oregon Ducks, and we'll keep you up to date here. The snap is up, and the kick is. Is it good? It is wide right. Wide right. The game is over. The Washington Huskies have won this game. They had the late comeback. They get the victory. Washington survives another week. That is a huge game for Washington and Michael Penix Jr. Whoo! Pac-12. Benny C. I mean, I, no one had any thoughts about the Pac-12 going into the season. Right, and because they're dead. Yeah, the, they're, the, the they're, Pac-12 is, is, for all intents and purposes, it's dead man walking. They have three teams left after this year. And not only that, is the teams that are ruling it, people have doubts about USC. They, yeah. have, they have a very hard game tonight, yep. and that'll say a lot, but the teams that are ruling it are Oregon and Washington, and... Uh, you know, UCLA is good hiding in the background. Yeah. Wazoo's great. So, I mean, Clem, what do you think? Michael, Michael Penix just made a statement, I think, you know, in that you, final drive. You're right. No, you know, off air, I, I was saying how if before uh, Washington mounted that last drive to get the touchdown, I was saying this could be a Heisman moment for Michael Penix because he has looked 
undoubtedly phenomenal this year. One of the best lefty quarterbacks I've seen, and I can't tell you how long, maybe since a Tim Tebow or Matt Leinart. He throws the ball a lot like Michael Vick, which I'm very hey, impressed with because it's uh, all that wrist. Don't don't forget my boy Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, then. oh gosh, yeah, oh no, all those Alabama fans yeah. that we have are so mad at me right now. Yeah, we we, we But have, he throws the ball different, which I like. He about does. Michael he does. He has that strong wrist. He has he just, that left-handed rotation. He just snaps <laughs> that ball. Um, and look at this. Look at Washington. They're they're <laughs> terrible radio. We're watching it here on TV, but they're they're charging the field. Huge game for Washington. But like you said, the state of the Pac-12. I don't think anybody saw this coming, and nobody. We saw Michael Penix last year and how good he was. He was, you know, he dealt with some injuries, but I don't think anybody as a whole saw the Pac-12 potentially leave college football with this kind of statement, with the best conference in college football. No, I, I, I the Pac-12 didn't even imagine it themselves, and yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's a statement to college football and and all the transition is transitioning's happening yeah. uh I, I, I there's a lot of excitement to come i think but the pac-12 is is they're, making a statement and i think oregon state and the smaller schools wazoo are they're they're making statements too so, so 6 30 about four minutes usc kicks off at notre dame notre dame is a three-point favorite in that game see i and by the way usc is number 10 they have most likely the Heisman, the, the back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner on that team. I still love USC in this game, but that'll be interesting because Washington and Oregon, they still have to face USC. Ben, you still season. like USC I, and South Bend? See, I like USC tonight. And I don't. I think I'm the only person I've talked to this week that likes USC this week because think, of Caleb. <laughs> their defense is not good. No, that, that, that's all I'm saying is, is like, but they put up numbers. How can you how can you bet against Caleb Caleb Williams? Okay, well, look, pack, he is the best player in college so, football. So far this year, they put up USC. Speaking of, we're talking USC here. They're facing Notre Dame uh, in just a few minutes. This year already, they put up 43 points, 48, 42, 56, 16, and 56. They score points. It's almost like a Big 12 team. They they score a lot of points, but they let a lot of points in too. It's very reminiscent of. Big 12 raid offense. In fact, uh, it might as well be that they had a former Big 12 coach. Um, but Caleb Williams is incredible out there. Yeah, and he will be a good NFL quarterback. And uh, Dude, I, I, I was reading an article earlier that said um, some NFL scouts were saying that Caleb Williams is the greatest quarterback prospect that they've seen in 15 years. And that's some high freaking praises, seeing as how... It seems like every draft nowadays, it's quarterbacks, 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 all in the first round. I mean, think about Andrew Luck. I think the last prospect we had a quitter. of this caliber was quitter, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. Quitter. <laughs> yes, he was a quitter. quitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, incredible player. <laughs> he also quit. Uh, I thought you were saying Quinn Ewers no, for no. a second there. I, I, we'll Which, get into Quinn Ewers. I want to talk about that next He's segment. a prospect as well. He is, but... But Caleb Williams, from what these NFL scouts have told us, he is the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, but he can run like a Lamar Jackson, and he can run like a, uh, like a, the people, you know what the comparison is? is Josh Allen, which I respect that, but the, the point is, with Caleb Williams at the helm, I don't see USC losing tonight, even though it is in South Bend. 
And I'm shocked that USC is not the clear leader in the clubhouse in the Pac-12. It's just because it's almost like those old Patrick Mahomes days at Tech where they have an explosive offense and one of the best players in college football, but they have such a horrible defense that they're not getting the benefit of the doubt in the AP and in the college football analysts. Well, my question to you, Ben, is what do you think about this Oregon team that just lost to uh-huh. Washington and Washington? Uh, they're, they're both incredible teams, yeah. and, and they're, they have not faced USC yet. So, yeah. so or- Oregon... This is one of those games you can't punish them too much because it was a last couple-minute mount by Washington to go win this game at home. Washington was the favor. By the way, did they cover the spread? Did they cover the spread? I don't even know what the spread was. Oh, minus three. Hell, we got a, we got a tie here, folks. The worst words in, in a gambler's uh, terminology is a push. Maybe actually second, close to we'll, a loss. We'll, but take, or- we'll take the push. We'll take the push. But Oregon still, on their schedule, they got Washington State, Utah, Cal, USC, Arizona State, and they close it out at Oregon State. So uh, they got an uphill battle too, but that's just the the name of the game with the Pac-12. We got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we want to go dive deep into the Texas Longhorns, what's looking like the rest of the season. Uh, This is the Inzone Club on News Radio KLBJ, live from Dirty Martin's Place, back after a few messages. Back on the Inzone Club here on News Radio KLBJ, live from Dirty Martin's Place. Thank you to our great friends over at Plains Capital Bank. Howard Breen Herman, Attorneys at Law. Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road. Covert Ambassador up, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road. Pokey Joe's Barbecue, SMB Amusements. Delaware Subs for tomorrow. They're doing their two for one chicken and Philly cheesesteaks. And Dirty Martin's Place. Um, we got to talk some Orange football. We, we got we to gotta be honest with each other here. Uh, by the way, I am joined by Ben Clatt, a uh, friend of mine, great. Uh, Great football and basketball uh, mind of his, uh, frequent guest host on the End Zone Club. Uh, Horns are off this week, as we all know, facing Houston next week. And what we saw last week uh, in Dallas against OU, it was a peculiar game. And I think a lot of a lot of Longhorn fans are still scratching their heads on the end of that game. Well, you know, the last second uh, touchdown by the Sooners that. That drive that, uh, that they made awfully easy, I think, left a really bad taste in Longhorn fans' uh, mouths. And I think it also it made going into the off week pretty intolerable for Steve Sarkeesian and his Longhorns. Specifically, I think, Quinn Ewers, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, Quinn Ewers, he had a pretty good game. Stats will tell you that he had a phenomenal game. Well, well Ben... Um after he threw that opening drive interception. He started off bad. Let's, the, let's, let's get that straight. He started off pretty poor. The second play of the game was an interception. Yeah. But after that, he threw 19 completions in a row. Yeah, I mean, he went 31. So Quinn Ewers went 31 for 37, 350 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. One interception, like Ben just mentioned, it was a bad one. Second play of the game. You know, he, he looked his receiver the entire way, even pump faked and still decided to throw it. That was on him. Second one, Jatavion Sanders lets it go through his hands. Sooners pick it off of the end zone. Just, just a weird play and a, and a good play by OU. So, so you know, the, Texas does have a lot of soul-searching to do ahead of the Houston game next week because you can't let one loss define the season. You can't let that get you down. I think Absolutely any, any, not. Any coach would tell you, you know, it's a, a short memory kind of situation uh and but luckily for texas this is a control your destiny i think and, these and you horns do. have 
absolutely everything to play for. Yeah, they do. And so the reason I say that, because last week, as we talked about here on the End Zone Club, the ball was not exactly in the Longhorns' corner because West Virginia was undefeated. They were playing very well. But with Houston defeating West Virginia on Thursday with that last-second Hail Mary, which was electric, by the way, good on the Cougars. Thank you very much, Houston. We might spot you a touchdown to start the game next Saturday. And I might have bet on West Virginia, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Legally, by the way, legally, uh, he, legally. Was, he was in Vegas. Uh, of course, I flew to Vegas, and by the way, Houston, uh, incredible play. I- I'll gladly take the loss because yes. that was a beautiful play. But with that, you know, Texas does, once again, they control their destiny. If Texas can handle business, went out, you will face Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship. And as we all know, we've all said it, it is really, really hard to beat a team twice in one season, especially when it's a big rivalry like Texas OU. We saw this a little ways back when Texas defeated, um, I think it was Kyler Murray. Yes, it was Kyler Murray. They defeated Kyler Murray in Dallas uh, in October. And then they had the rematch, Sam Ellinger versus Kyler Murray at Jerry World, and Oklahoma got the better of Texas, and they went on to the playoffs. It can happen, but Texas has to one week at a time and handle their business. Um, Ben, let me remind you of two things. One, uh, in that defeat at the Red River rivalry mm-hmm. um sam told kyler to take the loss i did see that yeah yes. i remember that oh that's right because kyler it, he was poo-pooing the loss yes unfortunately it, kyler ended up getting the best it, of him. it was a meme moment yeah, where sam point. said take the loss yeah and maybe some other words yeah he had some choice words and uh, <laughs> and then yes oh you got the best of us in in the championship but i do think a rematch is is what's what the horns should shoot for uh, they have nothing else to aim for, and yep. Big 12 championships should be in their goals. No, yeah, I mean, it's and it's kind of fitting, you know, for, for Texas and OU's, their farewell tour to end with the Big 12 in Dallas and the Big 12 championship. You know that the Big 12 board is hating this. You know, I'm sure they're hating this. They were hoping that West Virginia would keep winning. They are probably hoping that Iowa State would pull off some kind of miracle. Iowa State did win today. Um, but I think we can, it's, it's damn near inevitable that we will see a Texas and OU rematch at Jerry World. But until then, Texas needs to handle their business. I, I would like to see, hopefully, this upcoming week, Jatavion Sanders, he gets healthy. I hope we see uh, Jonathan Brooks continues his role because he is he in my opinion has been the MVP for the Longhorns this season he's a guy that last year he didn't get a whole lot of playing time because he was behind you know two future NFL starters and B. Sean Robinson but Jonathan Brooks has really taken up the mantle for Texas being a fantastic running back college he has just been incredible then and uh he has he has vision he has power but the, the, the shocking part for me is he has breakaway speed. He does. And he can finish long runs mm-hmm. um, that a lot of power backs cannot. And and Jonathan Brooks is a big man running back there. Yeah. So uh, you, you talk about a guy getting 10 yards and then having some open field to run. Jonathan Brooks can get that yard. He can get that touchdown. No, he's fantastic. And so I think Texas just needs to get their confidence back. You know, we saw after Alabama – 
you know, sky high. Everybody was so stoked, out of their mind, confident. This could be the year. Texas goes undefeated, and they finally make it to the playoffs. The big stumble against Oklahoma, which I wouldn't even consider a big stumble because in my dumb opinion, Oklahoma was the most underrated team in college football. They're very good. They proved it. I think what we saw in Dylan Gabriel was proving the naysayers wrong. Um, but is Oklahoma... Ben, they're, I, they're defeatable. They are defeatable. They are defeatable, and... As any Longhorn fan, I don't want to admit it, but Oklahoma outplayed us that game. No, absolutely, yeah. And uh, for a team to be have three turnovers and to have a chance at winning the game, mm-hmm. uh, all, all I have to say is I'd love to see Oklahoma at the end of the season because the Longhorns had every chance to win that game at the, at the end of the road. And um, uh, what's, yeah, what's one of those? You know, if I believe firmly, if Texas can tighten up those screws, Texas will defeat Oklahoma in a rematch, but also, like you said, Texas kind of played bad for the most part of that game. You know, the three turnovers, the three turnovers, the they got absolutely stuffed at the one-yard line, which people are still having nightmares about. Texas could have, should have, and would have won that game maybe one fewer turnovers. So Oklahoma is defeatable. This being said... Texas has got to get through the next six weeks. Obviously, they got Houston this week. Then they host BYU. Then they host Kansas State. Then you go to Fort Worth for TCU, who you've never you've never beaten Sonny Dykes, which that is an uphill battle in itself. you got to defeat that mantle, even though TCU is struggling. They did have a hell of a game today. Then you go to Iowa State. Then you finish hosting the Red Raiders uh, right after uh, Thanksgiving. Texas needs to stay the course and and I want to kind of get to this next segment a little bit, talking about the future of Quinn Ewers, but for Steve Sarkeesian and company, you need to finish your, your tenure at the Big 12 strong and tighten up those screws. I, I totally agree. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Sark. And, uh, Let me, I'll put it this way. It could be worse, Texas fans, coming off at Oklahoma loss. You could be in a Texas A&M situation where you are begging and pleading to fire your coach, or- and you know that uh, uh, Jimbo might be Jimbo might be a decent college football coach. Yeah. <laughs> he is not what A and M wants. Yeah. That is a factual statement. Yeah. He's not what A and M wants, and he is in a tough situation. He yeah. puts the school in an incredibly tough situation. Yeah. I think Texas has every reason to have faith in Sark. Yeah. The OU loss was incredibly tough. He, but. If we see a great bounce back against Houston and then BYU, we have every reason to believe in Sark. All right, we got to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to uh, final thoughts on Texas offseason. We'll get you up to date with this USC-Notre Dame game, and we're going to touch up on these MLB playoffs. This is the End Zone Club on News Radio KLBJ, live from Dirty Martin's Place. Be right back. All right, back on the End Zone Club here on News Radio KLBJ live from Dirty Martin's Place, the historic Dirty Martin's Place. Come down here, get a burger, get a beer, watch some football. They got all the TVs here in the back where we call home. Uh, so thank you, Dirty Martin's Place. This is the End Zone Club on News Radio KLBJ. Thank you to our great friends over at Plains Capital Bank. Harry Breeden Herman, attorneys at law, Covert and Bastrop, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, SB Amusements. Delaware Subs, where tomorrow they're doing their two-for-one chicken and Philly cheesesteaks. 
and Dirty Martin's Place, our home away from home during the fall. Um, we've been talking a little college football, but we need to switch gears. A uh, big slate of NFL games tomorrow. Our Cowboys coming off of the loss against the 49ers, which was really tough to watch, but they're going to uh, recoup, and they have the Chargers Monday night. They, how do they have two primetime games in a row. And well, I hate, because as a Cowboys guy, you know us here. At the NFL Club. That's we're, our Dallas Cowboys. I know. See, we're we, Cow- we, we get primetime games left and right, and honestly, I think this team deserves them. They do, but like, and you know, we're, we're Cowboys people here at the End Zone Club. We're also Bills people here uh, because of our, our great friend, frequent um, guest, uh, Mitch Morris, but it's kind of embarrassing sometimes the Cowboys get these primetime games because they're such a polarizing team. You either hate them or you love them. And every time you see, you know, on the schedule, primetime game after primetime game, the Twittersphere goes crazy. And well, they hate it. The, 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 the rest of the NFL despises seeing the Cowboys get these primetime games. Ben, everyone has an opinion on the Cowboys. And yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. You hate them or you love them. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> Coming off an embarrassing loss against the 49ers yeah. is not what you want for a Monday Night Football game. No, but, but but it leaves room for improvement. It leaves room for improvement. I think the Chargers, I think Chargers fans, which let's admit there's probably like 10 of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree. Um, <laughs> the 10 Chargers fans listening, um, y'all... I'm losing my train of thought here. You're not the 49ers. Yeah. You're not the 49ers. That's exactly what I'm going for. And, and so the Chargers think they're the, the Niners. So Cow- That's what I'm going for. Cowboys at, at Chargers on Monday night. Cowboys are a one-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in L.A. That'll be interesting. I'm hoping that we can see Mike McCarthy and especially Dak Prescott swallow last week's pill, move on, and continue their train that they've been on because they've looked so dang good. They've had a couple slip-ups, obviously, I wouldn't even consider last week a slip-up. They just got outplayed. They got outcoached. They got out everything against my Super Bowl champions. I still like the 49ers. I said it before the uh, before the season started, uh, Ben, that um, the 49ers will win the Super Bowl. And that's I hey, no one's gonna argue with that take right there. And I, my only thing is is I think that when your team is down like the Cowboys were. You gotta let your QB sling it a little bit. Yeah. Dak threw his interceptions oh, and Dak, look, let's talk let's hey, talk about it real quick. A- everyone's under the microscope. Dak is under the microscope. He looked dreadful. Yes. Like, he looked dreadful. I know you're playing the 49ers who are, in my opinion, the best team in, in the NFL right now, but that was a dreadful game. And what we've seen since Dak Prescott got to Dallas was I don't want to say since he got to Dallas, but over the last three or four seasons or so, he has been hot and cold with everybody, including us Dallas fans. Do we like him? Do we not like him? Do we want to see him stay, or do we want to see him get the boot? And I, I, I go hot and cold with him. I've been a Dak, um, I've been a Dak backer his whole career, but I'm starting to lose faith because when times get tough and you're playing the big competition he doesn't seem to have the big games like you'd expect from an elite quarterback well benny boy i think um dak you know he's in this he's in the spot and he everyone has an opinion and he's a good quarterback but 
is he going to win us the big games? That is what it comes down to. He, is he going to win us the playoff you, games? You said it. He's a good quarterback. He is. But in the NFL, to be a Super Bowl champion, you got to be a great quarterback. You have to be a fantastic quarterback. And Dak just, he rarely shows that anymore. He's had his moments where he looks fantastic. He looks like a top eight quarterback. But I'm just, I'm losing faith. And you know that, you know, Jerry it Jones. Is, it is hard to see Brock Part. Brock Purdy. Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. Pick your team apart. Yeah, and, and that is what Brock Purdy and the, and the 49ers did. And and I'll give the Cowboys a little bit of leeway. The 49ers are stacked They're with stacked. talent. It seems like every week this season, they've had a different guy step up to be the guy. We've seen it from Debo and Chris McCaffrey and Ayuk and now George Kittle. They have the players, but the Cowboys... Well, well, they should be able to hold their own against I, a team like the 49ers. I hate to be, bring up our rival, the Eagles. And Yeah. But do you think the Niners would take the Eagles? That is my question to I, you. I, no, I, I, I certainly do. I certainly do. The 49ers, It's rare to go undefeated in the NFL, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. But the, the 49ers, Eagles just play this power football. They like, do. Anytime they get down, okay, so they might spread it out a little bit, mm-hmm. but anytime they get down, they they run it down your throat, and then they do the push-tush, yeah. which is controversial. Wait, wait, that's the most, you can't miss the on tush that push. play. It's crazy. And now, I also, I, I hate the Eagles. I'm, I'm a Cowboy guy. I, I don't was, like the Eagles, but it is crazy no, how, how automatic that is. I was watching the Chiefs attempt it on a fourth and two, which the Eagles would never run it on two yards, but... <laughs> <laughs> they, if this keeps no, going well, they, they, they might start doing it from the 10. Well, yeah, they, they might as well do it from the 10, but my <laughs> my point is the Eagles are a high-powered offense. Yeah. Do you like the Niners or the Eagles? That is my question to you. So, I, I think where the Eagles play power ball, they're going to shove it down your throat, and they got, they got a lot of great receivers. The 49ers, my observations... They play smart football. They find that open area. And with Brock Purdy, he's not the smartest. Or so he's not the most powerful. He's not the fastest. He's not going to, you know, throw a laser 50 yards in but the air. But he, he is the smartest. But he is the smartest because he can find those those pockets. He puts a little air in the ball, even if it's a you know, 15-yard throw. It seems like he just... He puts the perfect amount of touch on the ball. And we saw that with Kittle and his three touchdowns. Every ball he threw was in the perfect position. And that is the difference between a Dak Prescott and a Brock Purdy. You, you might not be the gunslinging, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this ball 90 miles per hour on a bullet. Brock Purdy is just smart, and he can pick apart a team like it's, you know, like it's going out of style. And that is why I think the 49ers will not lose any time soon because they're smart enough to play to their strengths. So, Benny, see, my question to you is, are the Cowboys, do they have a chance at winning the NFC East right now? The, the Eagles are 5-0, and yeah. and the Cowboys currently have two losses on their record. Yeah. Is there any chance the Cowboys come out winning, or, or are we only a wild-card team? I, I think the Cowboys are a wild-card team. They'll get another big test here uh, on November 5th when they do uh, go to Philadelphia to to. to, to to take on the Eagles, and that will be, you know, after a couple weeks, they got, like we said, we got the Chargers uh, this week, then they go face uh, the Rams after a bye week, so Cowboys should get a couple wins under their belt, and then they'll have the big test, another midterm against the Eagles to see where they stand, but right now the Eagles are a wild card team. I think there's so much talent right now in the NFC, 
led by the 49ers and led by the Eagles. This is it's a tough test. Even though the Cowboys had so much hope going into the season, the NFC's good. Very, very, very good. The NFC's good, and uh, there are plenty of, of players out there making, making uh, statements for yeah. Defensive Player of the Year. And Mike Varsons is definitely leading the charge, yeah. but there's only so much he can do for the Cowboys. No, you're right. There is. There's only so much he can do. Um, but my hope and my prayer for the Cowboys is we see a little bit of improvement out of Dak Prescott because I'll be honest with you, I, I'm running out of, of patience with Dak Prescott as a Cowboys fan. You know, you expect excellence, and there's a lot of great quarterbacks around the NFL. And Dak Prescott, you know, Cowboys fans are kind of like Texas fans. You want it now. You, you're not patient, and you and it's the same old story over and over again. And we're not seeing a lot of improvement from Dak. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. So, I think Dak is a great quarterback, and, and he's going to lead us to the playoffs. So. My only question to you is, um, is is Dak the guy moving forward? No. Dak is not the guy. I think this might be, this will be the last year of Dak Prescott. Jerry Jones will have to make a tough decision and move on, which is something we don't see a lot from Jerry, but he's got to cut his ties and his loyalty. Uh, okay, that'll do it for us here at the End Zone Club. Uh, thank you, Ben, for joining. Thank you, Garrett, back at the studio. We'll see you next